I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The 2023 NFL Draft is in the books, and what a showing for your Pitt Panthers. Good evening, everybody listening and watching live on the YouTube stream. My name is Corey Christen. This is a brand new episode of the H2P podcast right here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network and live on YouTube once again. My name again, Corey Christen. Gary Morgan is out today. We had a bit of a schedule conflict, so just me flying solo and Again, the 2023 NFL Draft is in the books, and Pitt, once again, puts forward a strong showing, another first-round selection, and we're going to get into not just how Pitt performed and how many Pitt players were taken in this 2023 NFL Draft. I also want to get into the value picks that were found on day three. Of course, Kalijah Kansi is the lone Pitt player taken in the first round, and then no Pitt players taken between day two in the second and the third round of Friday's uh, festivities in Kansas City. But five players go in day three on Saturday. And there's a lot of interesting fits here and a lot of interesting stuff to talk about with those five players. And then we have, as of right now, four undrafted free agent signings to talk about with respect to Pitt. So right now, as it sits, uh, 10 Pitt players are going to go take that next step into the NFL, and of course, leading the way there is Kalijah Kansi. Taking comments live as well, those of you joining in on the YouTube broadcast. And again, we're going to talk about Pitt's impact on this NFL draft because once again, this is more fruits of the labor from Pat Narduzzi's recruiting, from Tim Salem's recruiting. I think we need to give a shout out to him. And of course, from the byproduct of recruiting from the 2021 you know, ACC championship season and seeing those players develop and those players play another year in 2022 before at last getting drafted. And then in segment three, I have kind of an interesting angle, I think at least that I want to take when it comes to what the Steelers are doing to support Kenny Pickett. Of course, I was on the South side all week, um, you know, observing the NFL draft, talking to Mike Tomlin, talking to Omar Khan and what the Steelers did in this draft wasn't in, I would say, support of Kenny Pickett in terms of finding new weapons for him to throw the ball to, to feed off of in the offense. Of course, there was a tight end taken. We'll get into Darnell Washington out of Georgia in that segment. But I think what Tomlin and Khan and company and Art Rooney II, of course, did to support Kenny Pickett was very interesting. And I also want to add the support 
of Najee Harris as we get into that as well. But that will be, of course, in segment three. We're going to run about 30 minutes here live. Again, it's just me solo. Gary Morgan's out today. Let's start with Kalijah Kansi. Of course, 19th overall selection. He goes to Tampa Bay, goes to the Todd Bulls defense, goes into a typical 3-4 defense. And the talk around Kalijah Kansi entering this 2023 NFL draft was his size. It was the comparisons to Aaron Donald. It was the comparison in a lofty sense, of course, to John Randall in some circles. But when it comes to Kalijah Kansi, the, the concern with him is his size. Six foot one, 283 pounds as he measured at the pro day. But the th- interesting thing that I found that Tampa Bay did when they announced that Kalijah Kansi was their pick, they announced him as a defensive end. And I want to stress that as something that is important regarding Kalijah and regarding how the Bucks could potentially use him. In the traditional 3-4 defense, many Steeler fans know this, is a you know defensive end, defensive end, nose tackle. And that nose tackle typically is about 300 pounds, maybe even bigger. You know, 320, we're talking these large human beings, these fast nowadays uh, defensive tackles. And make no mistake, Kalijah is the fastest of the fast when it comes to being a defensive tackle. But at the same time, he's not going to, per se, plug up that hole like a Vita Via does. And that, of course, is the veteran nose tackle that the Buccaneers do have to go alongside Kalijah Kansi, in addition to Greg Gaines, who, of course, won a Super Bowl with the uh, Los Angeles Rams a couple of years ago. But the thing about Kalijah and fitting in this 3-4 defense, and I want to stress that about not just a 3-4 defense, but in the Todd Bowles 3-4 defense that you tend to see, you know, we saw it obviously with the New York Jets for a number of years. He becomes the head, he becomes the defensive coordinator of the Buccaneers when they win the Super Bowl. Of course, Bruce Arians was the head coach. Tom Brady was the quarterback. Times since have changed in Tampa. And Todd Bowles has taken over as the head coach. And he, he, you know, 500 team last year. And Brady's swung song season didn't look great. Now that offense is going to be taken over by Baker Mayfield. But when you look at the defense in the 3-4, the and I know, of course, Servassier Dennis got drafted there, and we'll talk about him more about, you know, in the grouping of the day three picks in the second segment, we'll get to him. But when it comes to Kalijah, you know, as of right now, this depth chart, and this is as dictated by ESPN, it has Greg Gaines as the left defensive end, Vita Villa, of course, as the nose tackle, and Logan Hall as the right defensive end, and then Kalijah as the left defensive end to back up Greg Gaines. So... Where does Kalijah fit? Could he start as one of those defensive ends? I certainly think he should, and he could. When you draft day one talent, more often than not, unless you're the Packers taking a quarterback or whatever you're doing when you're up in Green Bay right now, but I digress on that, you are looking for day one starters. You are looking for players to come in and make an instant impact in your franchise. That is why the Steelers did what they did for Broderick Jones. They gave up more draft capital, albeit it was, quote-unquote, just a fourth-round pick, to go up three slots to jump the New York Jets and to take that tackle, to take Broderick Jones, to take the franchise cornerstone piece that's going to block Kenny Pickett, of course, you know, the former uh, pick quarterback, and we'll get more into Kenny and what the Steelers did in the third segment. But that's an example of going to get your guy, getting a guy that you know is a surefire impact player right away for your football franchise. Now, what the Bucs did, they held Pat at 19. I thought Kalijah was going to go to Detroit at 18. And then, of course, what Detroit did with this draft was very weird. I'll put it that way. I thought he was a fit for the Detroit Lions because 
of the pedigree that the GM Brad Holmes has. Brad Holmes was a member of the Rams front office in 2014 when they drafted some guy named Aaron Donald. And of course, that worked out very well. Brad Holmes was the director of college scouting at the time. So I thought that was going to be a fit. I thought that would be a guy you could plug in right away in the 4-3 defense alongside Aiden Hutchinson, the top pick, you know, from a year ago in the draft. And I believe, you know, one of the top finishers for defensive rookie of the year. He had an outstanding season. So I thought Kalijah was going to be a target for the Lions. And of course, they thought different. But he falls to the Bucks at 19. And I don't mean falls in the sense of, you know, he slips down the board. He should have been a top 10 pick. I mean, falls in the sense of the Bucks let that player come to him. And I think that's important to know this. It, it feels like what team was going to draft Kalijah was going to be a team that has a plan for a player like him. Again, he's not the prototypical nose tackle. He's not the prototypical defensive tackle that will plug that hole up in the run game, but he is an excellent pass rusher. And we all know that from watching him at Pitt. Excellent pass rusher. Gets to the quarterback like no other. Has that speed. So the fact that Tampa Bay and Todd Bowles essentially talked about versatility and branching him out to the outside. If he was going to go to a 3-4 defense, I think you could argue that this was the best case scenario for Kalijah to go into, given the presence of a Vitavia inside. And also given just the depth. I think Tampa needed a defensive lineman. I projected them to take an offensive lineman. You know, in that first round, potentially a right tackle, looking at Darnell Washington out of Tennessee. I thought that could have been a route that they went in that first round, but they felt that defensive end or defensive tackle, wherever you want to put Kalijah. And I think that that is going to be so crucial in the early part of his career to see exactly where he fits and to see exactly, does he bulk up a little bit? Does he get up to 290? Does he get up in weight? What does Kalijah Kansi do from this point forward? to, lack of better phrase, fit in at Tampa Bay. And all of these draft grades and all of the instant analysis, it's tough to do because you really need, and Mike Tomlin said it best uh, on the south side on Saturday, you really need time to see how these picks pan out. And taking a first-round D tackle, you sure, you sure hope that he is an instant impact right away. Real quick before I get to a short break here on the H2P podcast, I want to talk about the perception versus the reality around Pit football, and not just the fact that Pat Narduzzi, you know, his recruiting classes are not at the top of every list every year. But what Pat Narduzzi has done is he has turned Pitt into somewhat of an NFL pipeline. Pitt is one of seven schools that had six or more picks in this draft, and they are tied for fifth in college football when it comes to how many players were taken in this draft. You know, you look at Alabama and Georgia each with 10. You look at Michigan with nine, TCU had eight, and then listen to these schools that are around Pitt that had six each, Ohio State, Penn State, Clemson, Florida, LSU, and Oregon. So those are top of the line franchise, if you will, power five football schools that are pumping NFL talent in, and yet it seems like the majority of these schools, if not all of them, seem to pull in the top rated or the, you know, the five stars, the the cornucopia of the five stars in just about every recruiting class that we have seen. Let's let's even talk since 2018, because that's about where we're at right now with recruiting and, you know, the cycle of the players that are coming into the NFL. A ton of credit goes to Pat Narduzzi and a ton of credit goes to Tim Salem 
as well. And the way that he was able to recruit the Eastern Seaboard, when you look at, and we'll talk about these guys more in depth in segment two here coming up, when you look at Carter Ward and Israel Banacanda, a New Jersey native and a Brooklyn native, they get drafted to the New York Jets. Those are recruiting areas honkered down by Tim Salem. And I think what you can look at, you can, when, when you can look at Narduzzi's staff and you can look at just the way that he's able to shuffle these three stars and shuffle these four stars and bring them in and not really any five stars and still develop six prospects in this NFL draft. And of course, five of them on day three, which when you pick day three, you look for upside, you look for depth. I think that's really important. So what we're going to do right now, we're going to take a quick break here on the H2P podcast. When we come back, we're going to dive more into those day three selections and the fits with their respective teams. And then, of course, in segment three, we're going to talk about the Steelers and how they surrounded Kenny Pickett with nothing but good things, nothing but good tools. It's a really nice, positive thing to see if you're a Steelers fan and you're looking at Kenny Pickett. So we're going to take a short break on the video stream. It's going to be a quick, awkward pause, but we'll be right back here on the H2P podcast. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right, segment two on the H2P podcast right here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Corey Christen with you. Gary Morgan is out this week. We're talking pit football. We're talking the NFL drafts. We're talking about the players now that went on day three. And it was a bit of a surprise to me that Israel Abanacanda did not go in day two of this draft. I was honestly thinking after his pro day, after the standout performance athletically that he put in, the scoring that he put in, the recovery from his hamstring injury that kept him out of the NFL combine. I thought Izzy was a surefire day two pick. And the thing about that is he wasn't even the first pit player taken in day three out of the five that were taken off the board. You have to start with Carter Warren in the fourth round, pick 120 to the New York Jets. 
And the value here, provided Warren is healthy, and this was a really interesting route that Warren had to take to get here because all ACC selection after the 2021 season when Pitt won the ACC championship, he comes into 22, elected as a team captain. You think this is a player that projects like a day two guy, like a second round, third round NFL draft pick. And then he blows his knee out in the fourth game of the season against Rhode Island and misses the rest of the year. So Carter Warren slips on the draft boards because of an injury, but then he goes back into a private workout. This is important. The Jets went, the Jets hosted a private team workout, a essentially local workout for local players to come in and say, Hey, what do you got? Do you want to try and be a New York Jet? And Carter Warren, for all of his accolades, for all of the pomp and circumstance, for all of the stuff and the work that he's already put in in his seasons at Pitt, another veteran offensive lineman went through his senior year. He went to that local workout. He went and tested in front of Jets scouts and obviously head coach Robert Sala and obviously GM Joe Douglas. And there was rumors circulating that the Jets were going to take an offensive tackle with the 15th pick in the draft. Of course, that is the slot that the Steelers leapfrogged into getting Broderick Jones. And at 15, the Jets take a defensive end at Will McDonald. So one has to think that maybe Broderick Jones was that player at 15 to protect the blind side of Aaron Rodgers, who the Jets obviously just got from Green Bay. But here's Carter Warren, 2022 team captain, played in just four games in that 21 season, you know, played 14 games in 2021, was a second team, all ACC guy, 6'5", 3'11", really good size. Really good size for a D tack or for an offensive tackle, excuse me. And I think this is decent value here for the New York Jets. And I think he's a fit for the Jets. Now, does he start at left tackle right away? Unsure about that. You know, you have to look at some of the depth options of what the Jets have. And you have to obviously wonder how the offense changes now that Aaron Rodgers is is running the show. And you look at the you look at the offensive weapons that he has. You know, this is going to be a pass happy offense. You know, Mekhi Becton is there at left tackle. You got Max Mitchell at right tackle. So where does Warren fit in? Or is this purely just a depth option? I like this fit for Carter Warren, not just because it's literally 20 minutes, you know, from where he grew up in New Jersey, where the Jets facility is in Floral Park. But I also like this in the sense of he doesn't have to play right away. He is a developmental prospect. And he's going to be in an offense that is led by a Hall of Famer. I really like this, which leads me into... Israel Labanacanda. This is a steal. If you're the New York Jets, if you're a fan of the Jets, if you are Joe Douglas, if you're Robert Sala, if you're Brees Hall, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you are thrilled to the moon with Israel Labanacanda at pick number 143 in the fifth round. No running backs went in the fourth round, which was surprising to me because I thought Izzy was even graded higher than that. I thought he could have been a third round pick. I thought he was definitely going to be a fourth round pick. But no running backs go in the fourth round to open day three. And here's Israel Labanacanda helping the Jets, doubling down on Panthers. And how interesting was this? The draft comparisons, of course, you see all of the stats. You see all the combine. You see all the pro day. You see all the comparisons that are made to these NFL players. Kalijah Kansi obviously drawn the lofty comparison to Aaron Donald. Israel Labanacanda got comparisons to his new teammate in Brees Hall. The guy that the Jets took in the second round in last year's draft, 
that had a really rock-solid rookie campaign until he got injured. This is where Izzy lands up. Brooklyn native, gets to play for his hometown team. You saw the videos online. You saw the tweets. Everybody's thrilled to the moon that Izzy is a New York Jet. And look, he burst onto the scene, led led the ACC in rushing, led the NCAA in rushing touchdowns, was an absolute force for Pat Narduzzi and, of course, for Frank Signetti in that offense last year. You know, breaks the single-game rushing record at Pitt, breaks Tony Dorsett's record. He did that against Virginia Tech. He had six touchdowns in that game. We know the home run ability for Izzy, and I think it's important to stress that at this time. Because when you're picking on day three, you are looking for upside options. You are looking for players that have something that need a little bit more. And the reason why day three picks are day three picks And the reason that they are not day two picks or even first round picks is because, simply stated, they are not day two picks. They are not first round picks. And what I mean by that is, is they don't have the total, you know, five tool box, if you will. They don't check all of the boxes for that position. When you look at a guy like Roger Jones versus a guy like Carter Warren as a perfect prime example. Yes, they both have accolades. Yes, they were left tackles for really good power five running programs. Yes, they were really good at their position. But also, Broderick Jones, as an NFL prospect, checks more boxes than a Carter Warren does. Health, obviously, being one of them. You could look at quickness as another. Yes, they both have length, but Jones is a pure athlete at left tackle. He is definitely more athletic than a Carter Warren. That's what I mean by that. So when you look at Izzy, And the thing that really just stands out on the tape is the home run ability. When he gets into space, when he hits the hole, he's gone. But the issue with Izzy is decisiveness. The issue is vision. That's what some people were saying. That's not me saying that. I got to see the man play last year. He was amazing. I have nothing bad to say about what Izzy did last year. That is the translatability to the NFL and how much of a prospect in that vacuum that he is valued at. And right now, when you look at that Jets running back tandem of a Brees Hall, of an Israel Abanacanda, and even if you were to look at Michael Carter as a one, two, two and a half to three punch, that's a nice backfield now that Aaron Rodgers has at his disposal. I would hope Izzy gets to get some third down carries and some reps right away. And I think it'll be interesting to see the Jets rookie minicamp and to see the Jets in, in training camp. And I haven't talked to uh, my buddy, uh, Rich Samini out in Floral Park yet. He covers the Jets for ESPN. And I haven't gotten to talk to him quite yet about, you know, Izzy and what potentially they could be looking at for him. But I'd be willing to wager that he's going to get a shot at some playing time here. You know, running backs, the way they're valued nowadays, of course, you saw two go in the first round, I believe it was, which thoroughly surprised me. Again, Detroit Lions, what are you doing? Jameer Gibbs, not so sure about that value. But When you look at the valuation of the running backs and the valuation of the position nowadays, as evidenced by guys like Todd Gurley and even a Le'Veon Bell, if you will, and getting to second contracts and what happens after the second contract, you know, this is good value for the Jets. This is a weapon for that Jets offense that is complete now with Aaron Rodgers that has an Alan Lazard that they brought over. Garrett Wilson, the reigning rookie of the year, Corey Davis, McCole Hardman, Denzel Mims, one of the top picks from not long ago. A couple of really good tight ends there. This is a really well-rounded Jets uh, offense that Izzy is going to, and you have to like it. Moving on now, the third pit player taken 
Um, of course, on day three was Servassier Dennis. He goes to play once again behind Kalijah Kansi. And those that were able to um, read my pre-draft coverage and kind of get to know the pit players throughout this draft process and even in a vacuum for the Steelers. You know, I wrote about, this was probably two weeks before the draft. I wrote about if there was one player that I wanted to see pit, uh, the Steelers draft out of pit, who was it going to be? And spoiler, it was Servasia Dennis. And not just because I think he's going to you know, be a starting linebacker or anything like that. I thought based off of the value that I thought he could have gotten, which he got fifth round value here, a developmental prospect. Again, he's not a first rounder because he's small. Put the brass tacks on that. He has the tape. He has the smarts. He has the athleticism. He has the green dot wearing ability that you desire in a middle linebacker. But he's undersized. That's why he's a fifth round pick. And what the Buccaneers did to put him along with Shaquille Barrett, Devin White, Levante David. I mean, what a situation for Servasier to go in. He gets to be comfortable behind Kalaja Kansi again. Just good value, I think, uh, for the Buccaneers in the fifth round. This one surprised me, and not just because of the player, not just because of where this team is going to use him. Eric Hallett going in the sixth round at pick 208 to the Jaguars. He gets drafted, first of all, ahead of Brandon Hill. And the Jaguars announce him as a cornerback. And I want to stress that. That's important. Position is important in this, in this scenario. You know, most would have had their money draft, uh, put on Brandon Hill, rather, for being the first pit safety drafted out of that defense from last year. Just based on his athleticism, he ran the fastest 40 at the combine among safeties. But Eric Hallett profiles a little bit differently than Brandon Hill does as more of a cover safety. And now he gets the chance, probably in special teams as a six-round pick in Jacksonville, as a special teamer, as a potential slot corner. And, and he's a depth option. In the sixth and seventh round, these are depth options. These are upside options. So when it comes to Eric Hallett, and I'll loop Brandon Hill into this discussion as well, Brandon Hill gets this, uh, gets picked by the Texans at pick 248 in the seventh round, uh, just a few picks actually before the Steelers you know, made their last selection. You know, athleticism is the key for these two and these two are going to get options in special teams. So that's going to be really interesting to see how they pan out and if they can develop some more tools along the way with some coaching. So all in all, a good draft for Pitt. They get, of course, the five players on day three. They get six players in total tied for fifth among college football programs. A really nice showing for Pitt, the NFL draft. And that goes as a big credit to Pat Narduzzi. I'm going to take my final break here on the H2P podcast right here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. And in this third segment, this is where I'm going to transition into Kenny Pickett. And I want to get into what the Steelers did in this draft to support Kenny Pickett. And it's not just about giving him more people to throw to because really, they didn't do that. And I'll explain that in this third segment right here on the H2P podcast on DK Pittsburgh Sports.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, after a short pause, awkwardly maybe on the YouTube stream and after a little break here, we get into the third segment here on the H2P podcast on DK Pittsburgh Sports. Corey Christen back with you, Gary Morgan is out this week and as advertised I'm going to talk Kenny Pickett here for a second because look last year he comes into Pittsburgh 20th overall pick in the draft you know gets to slide over next door essentially at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex and he obviously didn't get his shot right away but there's no question about it Kenny Pickett of course is the guy this year so you think about Deontay Johnson you think about George Pickens you think about Pat Fryermuth and Najee Harris and the weapons that Kenny Pickett has at his disposal and really had at his disposal, of course, last year. You go into 2023 feeling good about the development of Kenny Pickett based on the results that we saw last season. But I think it's interesting what the Steelers did to support the former Pitt quarterback. And when you look at the skill positions in the draft, traditionally the Steelers find a way to draft either a running back, but most of the time it's a wide receiver. They are going to get a wide receiver on day two that they will develop, and they have a real knack for this. You look at Juju Smith-Schuster, you look in the past at Chase Claypool in a way until, you know, basically last year when they, you know, finally cut bait and said, all right, he's out, and they traded him for that second pick to get Joey Porter Jr. in, in this draft. But you look at that pedigree that the Steelers have, for scouting, drafting, developing wide receivers, it's being weapons. They didn't do that this year. And I find it very interesting that they didn't. When you look at the skill positions based on the Steelers' standpoint and getting support for Kenny Pickett in the draft, they only got one guy at those skill positions, and that was Darnell Washington, the tight end at 93 overall. And here's the beauty about it. Washington is not a pass-catching tight end by trade. Darnell Washington, he calls himself, Mike Tomlin called him, the sixth offensive lineman. He is a weapon for Kenny Pickett in the sense of pass protection, in the sense of maybe running some tight end screens and you know stalling Washington on the line before branching him out for a screen. He is somebody that is going to allow Pat Fryermuth to go into the slot, to go out wide, to be utilized more as a pure wide receiver. The pick of Darnell Washington is going to allow Connor Hayward, who is a smaller tight end, probably blossom as a fullback. Potentially, I should say, blossom as a fullback. Of course, that idea was tossed around. And, you know, Matt Canada talked about now the versatility of the tight end room. 
But even more so than that, what the Steelers did in drafting Broderick Jones and picking a left tackle, and not just that, but going back into the well in the seventh round for Spencer Anderson out of Maryland, who by trade is a guard, but can play anywhere on the offensive line. I think that's massive, massive for Kenny Pickett's development and massive for Kenny Pickett's growth. Of course, Calvin Austin coming back into the fray after they drafted him last year and he sat out all year with an injury. You know, Kenny Pickett's essentially getting his wide receiver weapon by proxy through that. But getting that franchise left tackle is so huge and was so crucial and so important. And if you look at how the draft fell, if the Steelers didn't do what they did in trading up and being aggressive for their guy, Broderick Jones was their guy. And if they didn't do that, odds are he's gone by 17 and the Steelers are left with an Anton Harrison or a Darnell. They're left with options that are just simply not as good as a Broderick Jones. And that's no disrespect to the rest of the tackles in the first round. But what I mean by that is it is the primary, I guess I should say, option that could have been taken at that time to get a guy like Broderick Jones to block for Kenny Pickett. And then you go back in and get the tight end that is known as the six offensive lineman. So what the Steelers did in terms of support of Kenny Pickett has to be addressed and it has to be looked at as a positive in a vacuum. Because when you think about what the Steelers were able to do last year in free agency as well over the soft season and looking at the guard they brought in, Isaac Subalow from the Eagles, they get Nate Herbig. I almost said Nick. They get Nate Herbig to block for Kenny Pickett as a guard. They get now help on the left tackle. They're fortifying that offensive line. They're finding different ways, you know, to protect Kenny Pickett, to help support Kenny Pickett, to give Kenny Pickett the resources and the tools to succeed. I love that the Steelers did that. And I think this is going to be one of the prime candidates to take that next step up as a sophomore in the NFL when you look at the rookies from last season. Those of you that listen live here on the YouTube channel on, for the H2P podcast, we appreciate you. Those of you listening in you know, later at a future date, we appreciate you as well. Thank you so much for doing so. Please remember to like this episode, share this episode, subscribe to DK Pittsburgh Sports on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, you know, wherever podcasts are found, Spotify. And of course, follow us on YouTube as well at the DK Pittsburgh Sports uh, on Pitt YouTube channel. Uh, follow me on Twitter at CD Kristen. That goes a long way. You know, all of these go a long way into helping support not just me as a as a journalist, as a reporter, but also at, at DK Pittsburgh Sports in terms of you know supporting you know this coverage. We appreciate the opportunity to cover these teams in depth for you. This, of course, being Pitt, the Steelers, the Pirates, the Penguins, Penn State. We're all over it, and of course, we appreciate the support and. You know, for all the draft coverage, you can follow us at DKPittsburghSports.com. They are all there. You can look at us. Um, you know, we got capsules on all the players. We got pit capsules. We got Steelers capsules. They're all over the place. You can find them on DKPittsburghSports.com. Gary Morgan will be back this week as far as I'm concerned. He hasn't told me about his plans next week, but this week was uh, a little tough schedule-wise. So, you know, flying solo today, but... Appreciate you listening in. Appreciate you following and subscribing. Thank you so much. My name is Corey Christen. This has been the H2P Podcast right here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. Talk to you next week.